0: Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. And you can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message. All right, we only have a few minutes, so I'm just going to get right to it. Is that okay? Um, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we are jumping right into uh, the second week of the series called Blessed, uh, and it's in the Beatitudes. And And one of the things that I shared last week that is so on my heart to um, just kind of meet us where we're at, uh, you know, everybody has their trial in front of them. Everybody has something stern in their heart. Some, uh, most of us are in some form of excuse me a wrestling match with the lord or or just in this season of life where it's really daunting and challenging and i listed out several things that that might be going on last week i'm not going to do that but it's a good chance for us to kind of take inventory of what's going on within what is what, what are the rumblings uh, going on in your heart in your mind in your soul what 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 are the things that are that have just maybe been unsatisfied or just just really like not met maybe what what's happening within and, and these are the moments where instead of uh, leaning into the Lord, oftentimes we kind of shrink back and we might, we might just go try and figure things out on our own. And this is a moment, especially with the Beatitudes, this is a, a moment in time where people are leaning in and trying to seek Jesus to meet those needs. And so we're right in the midst of that together as a community, as a, as a body of uh, faith. And uh, it's really helpful to take inventory of where wh- where's my setting, uh, what do I have my scope on? In other words, is it Jesus or is it the things of the world? Um, and it couldn't it doesn't mean that necessarily those things of the world are bad. It just means that they're distracting from what's really truly important, and that's Jesus. Can I get an amen? So we want to set our focus and our and our gaze upon Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus, says the author of Hebrews. And so. Um, The pace and expectation from the world are counterintuitive to that which Christ has for you. Okay, let me read that one more time. Let me just say that one more time. The pace, okay, and the expectation of the world, okay, is counterintuitive than what Christ has for you. Uh, The world wants to take and, and take and take from you. And if you're not willing to say, no, I've got my sight set on Jesus, then it's going to be like this tug of war all the time within your heart, within your mind, within your, your time, your energy, all the things. And Jesus is saying, I've got a plan for you in this crazy, chaotic world. But the pace and the expectations of the world try and make us go like, and and make us kind of maybe freak out or or, or change course or, or shrink back when, when the Lord is inviting us to move forward and move in with him. So, a quick recap of last week. I kind of did the before Beatitudes because I think it's really important to understand, especially from Matthew's perspective. You'll see Luke and, and some of the timeframes are a, a little differently, um, but, but just focusing on Matthew, this is John the Baptist to Jesus and the beginning of Jesus's ministry. Um, and two things, uh, they both or there's one thing that they say, two of them together similarly, they say, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come, is near. And that's really, truly the, the Messiah has come. John the Baptist is saying, look, Jesus is the Messiah. He's here. Uh, you might need to get your heart right. Um, just so you know, Jesus is coming back. This would be another saying, thing of, of us saying, you better repent because the kingdom of heaven is coming soon. Jesus is the soon coming king. And so we wanna have our hearts set right with the Lord. That's why I took a lot of time to talk about repentance last week, a ton of time. And we'll touch that really briefly. But they both say this. And Jesus actually, uh, when he preaches right after the temptation, right after he's fasted for 40 days, and the first time he preaches, he actually, according to Matthew, he preaches the same exact sermon of, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's, it's vitally important to understand uh, this, this place of repentance So Jesus was tempted, he he preached on that, then he called the disciples, he healed the sick, he proclaimed the gospel, he set the captives free and the crowds began to gather. They started to go, whoa, this is something new. This is something different. This is fulfilling. This is stirring my heart for change. This seems eternal. This isn't just some to-do list or law. This is, whoa, what is happening? People are being healed. Signs and wonders all over the place. So people's, are, people's eyes are open to see what the Lord is doing, what Jesus is doing. So, so it's this time and season and place where, where the people start gathering and they gather on the mountainside and Jesus is with his disciples and he sits down and he begins to preach uh, the sermon on the mount, okay? And so if you did what I asked you to do, which everybody did, I'm sure you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Right? Open it up. Let's read it. Let's read it. I got three people in the house who said yes. Four. Okay, maybe four. I read maybe the first three verses of Matthew 5. No, just kidding. So hey, read, keep reading that. Five, six, and seven. Just just chew on it for a while. Okay. Just just let it let it be. What is Jesus saying to you in the mid- He like Jesus? I have read it again. Like Everything he shares in this, it's like he's upping the ante every single time. He's he's just like, okay, this is what the law says, but here's what I'm really saying now. And it, it is just this counterintuitive way of looking at life in the sight of Jesus, saying, Okay, we're called to something higher. Thank you. I was waiting for it. We're just we're called to something higher. And so so we have to be leaning in, stepping in, seeking Jesus, asking him in the midst of the wild, crazy chaos. And we've got to know what he's saying to us, church. You've got to know what the Lord is saying to you because he formed and he fashioned you. So he knows what to say to his creation. He knows what to say to his loved one. He knows what to say to his daughter. He knows what to say to his son. He knows the exact thing that you need in the moment right now. So thousands of people are gathering at this Sermon on the Mount and he knows exactly what every one of them needs to hear, but they're all coming from different spheres of life. Right? I, I explained this a little bit. you got the wealthy and the poor. You've got the dignified and the cast out. Like you have the hurting and the healed. Like you have all of these people. And not only that, you, they, they're bringing their friends and their sick, their, their sick loved ones. And they're saying, man, you might be able to get healed by Jesus. So, so all of these people are looking to Jesus for something fresh, for something different because life was, it was flatlined. And so Jesus brought a pulse and he can bring a pulse to you as well. So here we are, eyes and ears are on him. You've got all of these different people from all over the place. So picture yourself, just close your eyes for three seconds. Picture yourself on the mountainside sitting at the feet of Jesus. And you say, Jesus, what do you wanna tell me? What do you wanna speak to me? Do not come with what you need. Do not come with your expectation. Do not come with your request. Just sit at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus begins to speak. And he meets you where you're at. He sees your need and he begins saying these things that are like, what? How? So let's start in verse three in chapter five. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. then you have verses 11 and 12 where he closes this out. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So it's a far different uh, scenario when people are, are, are casting insults on you because of your belief in Christ versus just being a jerk. Right? Like, I want to be persecuted because of my walk with Jesus, my love of Jesus, my my thirst for Jesus, my hunger for Jesus, not because I'm telling people what to do and what they ought not to do, but I live a life as an example of Christ. And if I'm persecuted for that, then I'm blessed, by all means. But <laughs> that's a big but. Like, you got to step into that. And it's, it's, it's a place of trembling knees. It's a place of fear. It's a place of, actually, it's the best place you could ever find yourself at the feet of Jesus, looking for his security and his voice in this place that you found yourself. That's why I love when people say yes to big things. Somebody said it the other day. They, it, was, it was really quick and they're like, well, it feels like it's a little too big for me. And I said, that's Perfect. Because the Lord's going to meet you in that, and you're going to you're going to be drawn to Him, hopefully, to seek His wisdom and His counsel. So I, those steps of faith are always just so powerful. Because man, the Lord's going to really meet you, no matter how scary or daunting, no matter how much the world would go like you are crazy. Yeah, but I'm crazy for Jesus. And man, oh man, I know His promises are yes and amen. That we just sang, we just praised to, and we're going to keep going. So here we are, we're at the Sermon on the Mount. This is just a goodness, these Beatitudes. It's just an invitation to go deeper in a more meaningful uh, connection with Christ. Jesus and and John are are starting it off with this repentance, message of repentance. And then they go into this this Beatitudes where Jesus is just meeting uh, the needs of the heart at this moment. It's not healing the sick in this moment. It's actually meeting the needs and healing the hearts. The inside. This is where Jesus goes, I got you here because I I know you're hungry and you're thirsty physically. I know you're hurting physically, but I think internally you're actually hurting more than physically. And I'm going to touch something here that you, you didn't actually come to expect or, or think that you would get. So we just read uh, the Beatitudes. And, and the Beatitudes... Uh, says this, the Beatitudes, uh, these kingdom blessings, they don't promise laughter, pleasure, or earthly prosperity. Did you pick up on that, maybe? Blessed are those who mourn. (laughs) But to Jesus, a person who is blessed experiences hope and joy independent of his or her outward circumstances. Okay, so I expressed it this way, and and you'll see this, actually, I love speaking on this passage, maybe I'll bring it back up, but in, in Genesis 12, you see you see Abram, the very first uh, connection with the Lord, and what does he say? He says to go, like, go from your family, go from your house, go from your inheritance, go from your safety, go and start this new nation that I called you to, and Abram's like, all right, I'll go. I have no idea. Like, oh man, I'm leaving everything behind. Ugh. And that word means become greater or to be blessed with God. So, so really these, 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 this word blessed is this place of, I am with the Lord, therefore I am blessed no matter the circumstance. Ups and downs. I mean, we all have them like crazy, But with Jesus, we're blessed, okay? So we have this presence, we have this authority. He's with us. And by the way, these these beatitudes, these common sayings of blessed are those, dot, 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 uh, those were really common to to Jewish people back then. Uh, 26 times you'll find them in the Psalms, eight times in the Proverbs. So, So this isn't something that's new, but Jesus is bringing a new way of saying things like, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, what does that mean? We're gonna find out here in a second, I promise. So 113 times in the New Testament, this word blessed is used. And I'm gonna just go over this one more time because I wanna make sure we have it down in our hearts and understand what this blessed means. It's not just yay, happy. It's it's way more significant than that. It's supremely blessed, fortunate, well off, blessed. It does have happy occasionally. Um, but it's a condition which congratulations are in order, okay? It's, it's a place of, man, you had a child. Wow, you are blessed. You got a new job. Man, you're blessed. But how about this? You met your Savior. Wow. Wow. You are baptized and we all cheer and we applaud and we say yes and amen that is a congratulations in order it's the Lord doing a work within us that that is so profound and so deep um, it's a it's a grace word that expresses special joys and satisfaction granted the person who experiences salvation. Paul says this in Romans and he quotes it from, from David in, in Psalms 32, but he says, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Can I get an amen? Whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one who, whose, sin is, uh, whose sin the Lord will never count against them. That person is blessed because I no longer have to give account for my sin. It's, it's all on the cross. Jesus, Jesus buried it. He took it on his shoulders, And that's just a phenomenal thing that we align with. And and blessed are those who recognize their lack and brokenness in life, which everybody there at the Sermon on the Mount, that's, that's who was being represented. Can we all raise our hand? No matter how good we look today, there are rumblings within that the Lord needs to touch. There are disparities that you've never told anybody. There's shame, there's wounds, there's brokenness. There's, there's just all kinds of stuff. If you can come to the feet of Jesus, even as you're sitting, even as I'm speaking, and you can set things right with him, and he can just simply touch your heart, wow, I should just say amen and let you go, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Blessed are those who recognize their lack and brokenness in life and invite Jesus to heal mend and fill the eternal void that only he can fill. So let's talk about poor in spirit real quick. I'm gonna go through the first four because there's just no possible time uh, to get through all eight. So blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One who is poor in spirit understands their spiritual lack and seeks God's grace. Okay, so it's not like, oh, poor is me. Poor is like having very little, right? It's, it's this like idea that I have no money. Like I've got zero in the bank account and I am poor. I get, we all understand that. We get that. We understand that from a financial standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint, standpoint we are all poor in spirit. It's only the thing that we have to do is recognize that we lack in this. We, we are so far behind that only Jesus can fill Avoid. He can only, he's the one who's rich in mercy and grace, right? He's the only one that can fill what we are lacking in. He, he can take us out of poverty, out of the miry clay and set us on the rock, on the firm foundation. So one who is poor in spirit understands spiritual lack and seeks God's grace. Uh, only made rich or highly favored by the blessing of Jesus's presence and fulfillment. So, so this being poor in spirit is a recognition of, man, I just lack spiritually and there's nothing I can do to, to be better. Come on, just do it better. Be nicer. Can't you just be kind? Oh, well, You sure can try. And I bet you'll get through about half hour before you start griping and groaning about somebody that somebody did or this, that, or that, another. We have to recognize this poor in spirit is a state that we begin with in brokenness. And we come to the feet of Jesus saying, Lord, you can fill my cup to overflowing. Therefore, I will be, uh, mine will be the kingdom of heaven is what he says. This person can recognize the significant lack in their journey. They cannot please God or appease God on their own. They are poor in spirit and must rely on God's mercy. So when we read this now, it's like, oh, okay, I can relate a little bit more now. I can grab hold of this a little bit more now. So those who mourn, let's go to that in verse four. Those who mourn, those who express sorrow or repentance. Uh, Paul says it in Corinthians. He says, godly sorrow leads to repentance. There's repentance again. Yay! Somebody give, give somebody a high five next to you because the Lord's obviously trying to speak something to each and every one of us about that. Um, to mourn is a drug that removes grief. Wow. This is, def- this is how it was defined. It's a drug that removes grief. So mourning is a really good place to be sometimes. We need to mourn, uh, to grieve and to lament. And that's in all areas of life many times. But this is a sense of like, I'm mourning because I have sinned. I've, I'm mourning because I, I have sorrow because uh, I have sinned against the Lord. And therefore I am repenting and, and surrendering and seeking forgiveness. And therefore I am free and I'm healed because of that. Isaiah 61, two says, says that the Messiah will comfort all who mourn. So this is a, a, pro, a prophetic word about Jesus that he meets those who mourn. He comforts those who mourn. He, he touches those who mourn. And so this mourning process is actually one where we meet Jesus. Without mourning, we don't meet Jesus in that pain and therefore the grief remains. So the mourning process is actually a process of digging out the grief and it moves it out and slowly but surely you're able to heal and and quote unquote move on. Though there are some deep pains and wounds, right? That we never forget, but we forgive and we move forward and we walk with the Lord through all of that. So we will be comforted and that's just consoled due to sorrow or distress is how that's defined. I know I'm going through these fast, but that's just due to time. So if you want to look through these more, just keep reading through them. Start doing some Bible study. Uh, There's incredible material out there. So blessed are those who who are meek. Blessed are those who are meek. They will inherit the earth. That's the future uh, inheritance of the kingdom of God. This meek means humble or gentle a lot of times actually in the new testament specifically it uses the word gentle more often than than this word meek uh meek was always a word and maybe sometimes has like this like soft connotation like this like i don't want to be meek like i want to be manly like there's this thing right that kind of a bravado or pride or ego that 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 puffs us up but but there's a meekness that wow that the Lord really, really uses in our, in our walk, in our life, in our, in our relationships. Um, another way it's defined is constr- controlled strength, which I really prefer. I love that. It's, it's not being soft. It's not being a, a, a weakling. It's just controlled strength. It's actually the wisdom of timing to understand how to use compassion and strength in com- combination. It's walking through this time and season of life where I have such my my eyes are so fixed on Jesus like he saw with compassion a lot of times before he healed if you you'll see that in the Gospels over and over he saw with compassion and he had the courage and the audacity to go and interrupt the situation so there's this there's this timing of wisdom with this meekness that actually is really profound that that we should all strive for that we all want to uh, partner in on that we go man. Lord, give me a heart that's meek, that's gentle. Uh, in, in Matthew chapter 11, one of my favorite verses, it, uh, it's just, Jesus is described as being gentle and humble in heart. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you rest, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You know, the world gives us this, get better, get stronger, do better, do more. Come on, let's go. The pace, the expectation. And Jesus says, come to me sit at my feet. I'll take your burdens. And by the way, I'm super gentle and humble with you. I'm not going to curse at you. I'm not going to point my finger at you. I'm not going to say, get better. I'm going to say, come heal. Come mourn and eradicate the grief. Come walk with me. Come see how I can can give you a full measure of grace and mercy that, that you can go, wow, I I don't feel poor in spirit anymore because Christ is within and is overflowing within me. Is that, are, are, are we on the same page here? Goodness, this is Jesus. It's so contradictory to the world, is it not? And this is how we are invited to live on this very first portion of his most famous sermon he ever gave. Meek conveys humility and trust in God rather than self-centeredness, centered attitudes. Uh, they don't look down on the meekness doesn't look down on yourself, but it doesn't think too highly of self. It is a perfect, like, I am right here, Lord, use me however you want me. I will go clean toilets or I will preach on the at the on the at, at the pulpit. Like, who cares? I don't care. Use me however you want. There's this just I'm yours. I wanna be soft clay to be molded and shaped for whatever you want me to be. That's a heart of meekness. A a worldly thought is this, that the arrogant, wealthy, prideful, harsh will get everything on earth. And at times we often see that, right? Um, But then, however, Jesus says that it will be the meek, the gentle in spirit, the humble at heart that will inherit the earth in the end. I I also remember where he says, um, what does it profit a man? if he gains the whole world, but then loses his soul. That should make you tremble. Those who strive and strive and strive and strive and strive and, strive and want things perfect and have things and all the things, slow down and sit at Jesus' feet. and Watch and see what he does. All right, last one for today. This, this passage in particular, I always quote a lot. And so it's been speaking to me even more as I've been studying it. But those who hunger and thirst, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be uh, filled. That's satisfied, um, which means filled up on food and drink. It's really got a physical connotation, but Jesus brings it into the spiritual side of things here. Uh, It means to gorge or feed to full satisfaction. Just think Thanksgiving, come on. Like, where you go, gosh, I tried so hard to do small portions and still my plate was overflowing. All right, you're, you're eating to your heart's desire but blessed are those who hunger, who have this longing desire for righteousness that that I, the Lord will fulfill. He will fill up as we lean into Him. It's an intense longing and desire to live the standard that Christ set for us. Think of David when he he wrote this one of his most famous psalms that's turned into uh, psalms that's been turned into songs. As the deer panteth forth. Oh man, yeah, you want me to stop? Is that what it is? As the deer pants for streams of water. You think of a deer like, man, they seek for water and food and they're foraging all the time. So they're constantly thinking about being hungry and thirsty all the time. So there's there's this picture of this deer as he pants for streams of water. So my soul, my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, God is what he says, for the living God, when can I go and meet with God? Like there's, th- there's this internal like fire that is just like, I want to, I am hungry and thirsty for more of you, Jesus. I just want more. And the Lord's not gonna turn his back and say, you just need to, you just need to wait. No, he's gonna begin to fill you up. And what's gonna happen is gonna, he's gonna fill you up that refiner's fire that I talked about last week a little bit that we all like, yeah, we love singing the song. But then we go, I hate living this out though. Like we sing it, we love those, those moments uh, of I'm not in the fire right now. So it's so great. But then when we're in the fire, this is what the Lord does. But when we hunger and thirst for him, he's gonna, he's gonna give us one meal after another and he's gonna give us the right meal. He's going to give us a healthy, well-balanced meal that is not just McDonald's every day or any day for that matter. <laughs> i love the fries. I'll take some fries every once in a while. Okay, Jesus is talking about our spiritual lives here. So physically, we can't obviously go without food and drink, but he's saying spiritually, we need to be fed, guys. And when we step in, when we lean in and we open up those Bibles as, as daunting as that might be, as I take one step after another and I read and I, and I meditate and I, and I allow the Lord to speak to me and I allow him to, 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 to preach his truth through his word to my soul, he's gonna feed me in so many ways than, than just Googling something on whatever. That man, I would go to the source, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. Spiritually, we need to have this intense longing for righteousness. And this righteousness is adherence to what is required according to a standard. And in particular, that standard is what Jesus sets before us right here in this word. And so we look at the word, we look at how he says to love God and to love one another. And, and man, I wanna lean into that, but man, that is hard. That's difficult. Man, when the rubber hits the road, It is daunting. But you know what? He will fill my cup. He will walk with me. He will give me words of truth. He will speak life to to dead dead places in my life. He will renew and refresh these areas. So may we be so filled spiritually that we do God's will, that we wouldn't have a self-righteous attitude, but a Christ-righteousness within us. See, Christ's righteousness in us is what makes us whole, is it not? It's nothing good I've done, nothing great I've done. I can't, do, I can't boast on anything but Christ is what Paul says. So it's Christ's righteousness within me that actually sets me in place. I'm going to have the worship team come up. We're going to close in worship like we normally do. And, and friends, I, really, I, I believe this is going to be a moment for us to be able to just allow our hearts to, to, to chew on what we just heard. As they're coming up, I want to show this last slide here. It's just kingdom opposites. So you have this poor in spirit, and the, the opposition to that would be being self-sufficient. I could preach on this just alone, right? Like, man, being self-sufficient, we can figure things out. We can make things happen, like, absolutely. But is Jesus in the midst of it, and he's asking you to do it, is the question. So I wanna come with this heart that says, I'm poor in spirit, so I need Jesus to fill me up to overflowing. And then those who mourn versus uh, those who deny sinfulness. Like, nah, no, it's fine. I don't, like, I don't need that. I don't need to have sorrow for anything that I've done. And there's an arrogance and a pride to that that is so beyond Christ. So, but having this place of, of mourning, like, you know what? We've all fall short of the glory of God is what Romans says. So if I understand, if I fall, if I fall short, then I, I have a, a, a part in putting Christ on the cross. And if I even have the smallest margin of fault or error on him on the cross, then I'm gonna mourn. Can I get an amen? Instead of denying, oh, no, no, I didn't, it's fine. I, it's no big deal. And Christ is on the cross going, oh, really? I think it's a big deal. Wow, that's an eye opener. I wasn't ready for that one. And then there's the, uh, the meek versus the self-centered. Like I can look at myself all day long. I can feed my desires all day long. I can look at what I need all day long. Most of America is based off of self-centeredness. And so the Lord is always asking us to have a heart that's meek, that, that's looking out, that's looking to be molded and shaped by him. And then, of course, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the difference there uh, or the opposite would be ceaselessly justifying our actions, which I could talk about all day long as well. Let's stand together. I think, I think the best moment in this place of, of worship and closing out would be When you worship, would you just think about being at Jesus' feet? Think about him saying amen to the sermon, closing it out. And you just get to respond to what he's saying to you through these words, his words, that you would allow him to speak and lead and move and guide to bring you to the place that you need to. This is right here in the house of God. You can kneel, you can worship, you can lift your hands and your voice, you can come to the altar. You can sit and write. The Lord will speak to you and do different things for you. So I just want to invite you into that moment. This is you and Jesus, not nobody else. So let's worship together.
1: I think this stone's getting ready to roll I feel a fate that is starting to rise I see a world on the edge of revival I think it's only a matter of time So do what only you can Possible is possible for you. <laughs> I see her grave that is hollow, her power. I see her battle that's already. Won. I SEE A CHURCH ON THE VERGE OF REVIVAL I SEE YOUR KINGDOM HAS ALREADY COME SO DO WHAT ONLY YOU CAN DO MOVE WHAT ONLY YOU CAN move. EVEN THE IMPOSSIBLE IS POSSIBLE FOR YOU YOU CAN MAKE THE CHAINS COME LOOSE You can tell the mountains move, even the impossible is possible for you, even the impossible is possible for you. You said it, sing it out. You said it, I see it, you still do fear it. is possible for you you can make the chains come loose you can tell the mountains move even the impossible is possible for you sing that again sing it again only you can do move what only Even the impossible is possible for you. You can make the chains, you can make the chains come loose. You can tell the mountains move. Even the impossible is possible for you. Even the impossible. Even the impossible is possible for you. you, Even the impossible. For you. Give us Let's praise, give it up, Lord, it this morning. Lord. Jesus, worthy are you, God? We praise you, Lord. We worship
0: you. We exalt you this morning, Lord. We thank you that even the impossible is possible for you. So, whatever mountain we face, whatever trials we're facing, whatever mountains we're on, Lord, we thank you that you can speak to it. You can speak life, Lord, where there's death. You can break through the chains, Lord. So whatever it is, Lord, may we come with this spirit that says, Lord, I need you to fill me up. A place of saying, Lord, my sin, man, I'm so sorry. A place that says, I'm hungry for more of you, Lord. Fill me to overflowing. Fill me, God, fill me up. Feed me the way that you need. Teach me the way I need to live, Lord, so that I might go and do the things you ask me to do. But Lord, meet us in the moment right now where you can break through whatever it is to move us forward to healing. Thank you that you love us enough to slow down and touch the very need that needs mending. Before you ask anything big of us, Lord, you're saying, I want to meet that need right there. So Lord, I thank you that you pierce our hearts with those things in such a good, kind, loving father way. It's your kindness that leads us to this place of repentance that is so fruitful, that brings so much peace. So may we may we have this heart that says, Lord, we're yours. Do whatever it is that you need to do in your mighty name. Can you say amen out loud? Amen. Amen, amen you guys. Hey, love you. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you up here. If not, have an amazing Sunday and we will see you guys later. Have a good one. Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, lifechurchchico.org.